Today's episode is brought to you by Olive, a next-generation logistics company serving premium fashion brands. Both the cost and frequency of returns continues to rise. And if these trends continue, it's completely unsustainable not only for your business, but for the planet as well. Olive is here to help. Olive offers brands and retailers over 50% off on return shipping expenses while offering customers sustainable, waste-free packaging and delivery. 50% might sound crazy until you realize how the service works. Olive will pick up your customers' returns and reusable packaging and manage the closed-loop resale experience for your customers. If you're interested in learning more, visit shopolive.com slash watsonweekly. Save money, save the planet. It's February 27th, 2023, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, Walmart reports Q4 and full-year earnings. Corporate deal activity fell in 2022. Instagram killing live shopping. Amazon cuts ties with European distributors. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains five items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first in our shopping cart full of news. Walmart reports Q4 and full-year earnings. Last week, Walmart reported its Q4 and full-year earnings, and with that shows the industry why it intends to be the bellwether during uncertain economic times. Walmart forecasts 2% constant currency U.S. sales growth for calendar year 2023. The company reports that consumers are still buying, but they're being choosy. Walmart is on a fiscal calendar, which makes it seem like everything is in the future, but I will translate it to the Watsonians for calendar years and quarters. In terms of calendar Q4 2022, total revenue reached $164 billion, up 7.3% year-over-year. Consolidated operating income was $5.6 billion, or 3.4% net operating income, down 5.5% year-over-year. Walmart U.S. comparable store sales grew 8.3% year-over-year. In the U.S., Walmart reported 17% e-commerce growth and 41% growth at Walmart Connect advertising in the U.S. In terms of calendar year 2022 earnings, total revenue came in at $611 billion, up 6.7%. Consolidated operating income $20.4 billion, or 3.37% net operating income, down 20% year-over-year. Walmart U.S. comparable same-store sales increased 6.6%. Walmart U.S. e-commerce sales grew 12% on the year, up to $80 billion in business now. This would mean that Amazon's first-party business is four times Walmart, and Shopify is over three times Walmart. Walmart's global advertising business grew nearly 30% to reach $2.7 billion, which is about 14 times smaller than Amazon's ad business, which is only growing slightly slower. In terms of calendar year 2023 guidance, Walmart forecasts 3% constant currency sales growth overall with 2 to 2.5% overall revenue growth in the U.S. Walmart's consolidated operating income is expected to increase 3% on a constant currency basis. Both OPEX and CAPEX are expected to be flat to slightly up. Walmart is cautious about 2023 growth due to changes in consumer spending, layoffs, household income, and the risk of recession. In the second half of the year, Walmart's operating income growth will outpace sales growth. This makes me worry that Walmart is predicting a slowdown in the second half of the year. This is something to pay attention to. In terms of inflation and consumer sentiment, 
Walmart's consensus term for consumer behavior at the moment was choiceful or discerning. Is choiceful a word? I'm just asking. Walmart also reported that private label really accelerated in Q4 on top of already meaningful acceleration throughout 2022. This further reiterated the consumer spending shifts that are happening. Walmart's CEO revealed that food inflation is the most stubborn. Dry grocery and consumables inflation remains in mid-double digits, and this will be with us for a while, which I took to mean calendar 2023 at the minimum. All in all, a good quarter of our Walmart tempered by a cautious 2023 outlook. We are in an economy where people want to be optimistic, but at the same time, we're also kind of scared of our own shadows. Our second story. Corporate deal activity fell in 2022. The Retail Dive reported on a recent S&P Global Market Intelligence report about the volume of deal activity in 2022. Here are a few facts from the report. The total number of mergers and acquisitions declined 36% last year compared to 2021, and the number of IPOs dropped almost 50% in the same period. The difficulties also affected the digital commerce sector, which experienced a 9% drop in deal volume compared to 2021. The report goes on to say that there are still strong multiples for mature and healthy companies in digital commerce. What does this mean for business owners? Here's how I think through it. In previous years as a founder, if you were unprofitable and high growth, it was very easy to raise money still. Now, not only is your growth likely challenged, if you are unprofitable with slow growth, you should already have planned to take big steps toward profitability. If you haven't, and you think it'll be easier to get acquired than it is to raise money, then think again. The acquisition multiple for an unprofitable, even growing company is depressed. If you are profitable and high growth, you're good in any market. If you're profitable with lower growth, the multiples that investors will pay for growth are depressed somewhat compared to a typical year where every SaaS founder often expects a 10x multiple. Now those multiples are closer to 5x I'm finding. I'm told companies that I advise that we are in that 5x multiple market at best for companies in a relatively good position, and it only goes down from there. Our third story, Instagram killing live shopping. TechCrunch recently reported that Instagram is going to kill its live stream shopping program altogether as of March this year. Here are the details. First, Instagram introduced shops in early 2020 and then added live shopping later that year as the priority of e-commerce rose within Meta during this time. Second, this follows a recent shutdown of live shopping on the Blue Facebook platform as well. Third, there is no direct replacement for the program as Meta will push brands towards ads on the platform. Fourth, Meta has not completely abandoned e-commerce altogether, however, as shops still exist and checkout is available such that people can buy on Instagram or Facebook from a brand shop and those sales can be imported into your Shopify or other e-commerce store for fulfillment. What's my take? First, Meta's move into e-commerce was always going to be difficult. Despite the fanfare with which this program launched, Livestream shopping is an event and promotional-based medium which first requires concentration of traffic in time and a heavy deal component similar to Alibaba's Singles Day. Second, it's almost impossible for any sufficiently large corporation to move from a very high margin line of business like ads to a line of business which is much lower margin like e-commerce. The return on invested capital in e-commerce is just so much lower than advertising, which is almost pure margin. Third, another tremendous headwind working against Meta was purchase intent. Simply put, e-commerce doesn't work very well on social channels because there was very little purchase intent when in inspiration and research mode. 
compared to a site like Amazon where the consumer already has a credit card on file and is ready to purchase. Finally, I really do think that Facebook could have made it work if it had copied Alibaba more explicitly. Are you trying to tell me that with 2 billion, that's billion, engaged users every day, Meta could not have created its own shopping day with the help of a few major celebrities directing traffic to a singular, time-boxed event around the world? Think of it as similar to Prime Day for Amazon, but on Meta's properties. Sadly, it's unlikely we will see Meta take another swing at livestream shopping soon, which could continue to delay the acceleration of this channel in the United States. And our last story. Amazon cuts ties with European distributors. In a move that seemed to take the industry by surprise, Amazon recently communicated with distributors and resellers on Amazon's first-party platform in the United Kingdom, telling these relationships that all purchase order activity will stop by January 15, 2024. Amazon reveals that these products will be supplied directly from brand owners instead. Cruel master Amazon giveth and cruel master Amazon taketh away. What do I think about these moves and what does it mean for you? First, Amazon is trying not only to reduce the number of SKUs it holds in first-party inventory, but more importantly looking to use the distributor's margin as its opportunity in its typical playbook. If there is a brand that Amazon wants to own in inventory, it will go source it directly from the manufacturer. Second, I think that this is a highly negative signal regarding Amazon's cost-cutting strategy that it's leaving no stone unturned in the quest for revenue. It means Amazon is really scraping the bottom of the barrel of cost savings ideas and willing to fracture long-term relationships in the pursuit of cost cutting. Finally, I think all U.S. distributors with first-party relationships with Amazon should consider this their notice as well. Start diversifying your revenue, folks. Amazon typically uses its international properties as a testing ground for new ideas to evaluate their effectiveness before rolling out these same ideas to the United States. You have been warned. Hey Watsonians, this is Rick. If you're looking to discuss e-commerce topics with other listeners, you can find it all at the RMW Commerce community. There, you'll find a trusted group of fans just like you who are passionate learners of e-commerce. So don't delay. Just visit community.rmwcommerce.com to sign up for free. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have five items on the menu today. First, Wiser, W-I-S-O-R-A-I, raised $8 million for its software to automate freight forwarding. Some of the functions it provides include the ability to generate real-time spot rates for freight and being connected to carrier rates in real time. Second, Raven.ai raised a $12 million Series A to automate manufacturing plant insights. Raven.ai is based in Canada and gives a large manufacturer a real-time view of its production lines along with recommendations to remove bottlenecks and improve operational platform performance. The type of software is called OEE, or Overall Equipment Effectiveness Software. I was not aware that this was even a category of software. Third, Bed Bath & Beyond is not dead yet. Well, Watsonians, it looks like the death of Bed Bath & Beyond will have to wait another month or two as the company secured funding to avoid bankruptcy. If all the convertible preferred shares are executed, this new lender will own 80% of the business. In other news, Bed Bath & Beyond also reported that it can maybe pay suppliers now, so I guess there's that. Fourth, data transformation provider DBT Labs acquired semantic tools provider Transform. The data infrastructure space is definitely continuing to expand and consolidate with new investments and acquisitions. 
Anyone who's building a modern data stack knows that each part of the infrastructure is becoming more specialized, acquisition, data cleansing, transformation, insights, and analysis all being competitive spaces on their own. And finally, eBay acquired 3PM Shield to bring advanced marketplace compliance technology in-house. This is a great story of a small business growing and providing value to a much larger organization like eBay. 3PM Shield used data and AI to identify fake, counterfeit, and deceptive listings on online marketplaces. eBay was its biggest customer. Congrats to Watsonian Rob Dunkel, a longtime industry friend, on the exit of 3PM Shield. One last thing. I'm excited to announce to everyone that I've been invited to join the Mock Alliance as an executive advisory board member. With this position, I will provide guidance and direction to the organization on its growth. The fact that this community has a wide range of vendors and agencies participating to help improve digital experiences for retailers and brands is an exciting mission, especially given the fact that using technology to improve the lives of users has always been a passion of mine. Thanks to the mock board and in particular Kelly Gage for his vision and the invitation. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Jose Baez, production manager, Gabriela Montequin. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.